0: Welcome to The Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. And we're continuing our summer sermon series on the armor of God from Ephesians chapter 6. Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus. And at the very end of his letter, he tells them to put on the whole armor of God. And when talking about the armor of God, we've entitled this series, Suit Up. Suit Up, put on the armor. Last week, we, we showed a clip of the Avengers movie. And the team is demoralized. They, they've been struggling. They've been losing. And Captain America comes to them, and he says, Suit Up. You know, when the team is suiting up, it's, a battle's about to take place, right? Right? I'm trying to find a clip every single week, and so I found a different type of superhero trying to find his suit. Let's check out that clip here. Honey! What? Where's my super suit? What? There's a lot of women in this, in this room that said amen to that, right? <laughs> oh, so good. My, my goal is to have a clip like that every single week. So I've got a few more ideas, but if you'd like to add some ideas, please feel free to send them my way. Last week, we looked at the first part of the armor. Really, before you're putting on the armor, you're putting on truth. You're putting on your belt. We talked about how the truth sets the tone. I believe there's a reason why Paul starts with the truth, because the truth has to be put in place before there can be righteousness, before there can be salvation. We have to start with knowing the truth of where our righteousness comes from. Righteousness doesn't come from ourselves or from our goodness, our kindness. Peace does not come from what we own our possessions, our skills. Salvation does not come from just any god or religion. We have to know the truth before we can clothe ourselves with the rest of the armor of God. And we're going to look at the rest uh, the next piece of the armor here in Ephesians chapter 6. If you got your Bible with you, you can turn there. You have the YouVersion app, you can turn there. We also I always forget to say this, but we have the notes for this sermon. Up, If you look in the Uversion Bible app, you can find the Gathering Church and go to the link. If you have the Church Center app, at the bottom of that homepage, it says the latest sermon, latest message notes. You can follow along with our notes there. All right, you got it with you. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, it says this. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore... Having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. After Paul tells us to fasten on the belt, he tells us to put on the breastplate of righteousness. We're looking at the importance of the armor of the breastplate of righteousness. Because back in that time, right when Paul was writing this, probably there was a guard outside his prison cell there's a chance there was a Roman soldier right outside and he, was, he had his whole armor on. If you didn't know, the Roman soldier armor weighed a, around 70 pounds. The majority of that weight was found in the breastplate. The weight was there because the protection had to be there. It was most important to be in the breastplate, not just in front of you. The breastplate went on your side, The breastplate went on your back to protect all parts of your breastplate. Front, side, back. We know the enemy does not just attack you from the front, right? The enemy does not just attack you from the side. He will attack you any way, anywhere that he possibly can. And so we need protection every side of us. The Bible says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against powers. Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers in this present darkness. I think it's intentional. He says, we do not wrestle. This is present tense. It's not we have wrestled. We will wrestle. We are in a spiritual battle right now, today. And so we need protection. The breastplate of righteousness is weighty because it is protecting the most vital organs of the body. It's protecting your heart and your lungs and a lot of other parts I don't really know anything about, but a lot of important parts here, (laughs) vital to your protection. I'm not a biology major, okay? But I know this all needs to be working for me to be feeling better. The breastplate of righteousness protects us. It gives us safety. Today's message is entitled, Protected in Righteousness. Protected in Righteousness. Let's look at what is righteousness Because it is so vital to protecting us from the attacks of the enemy. But unfortunately, there's really not a lot of times that the Bible talks about righteousness. Just kidding. There's a lot of times. (laughs) There's a lot of times. you were like, I don't know if that's true. It's wrong. There are many times that the Bible says righteousness. If you look in the Old Testament alone, you will find over 150 times when the word righteousness is used. You look in the New Testament, over 90 times it's used. And that's only in the King James Version. If you uh, compile multiple versions of the Bible together, you could easily get over 400 times in the Bible that the word righteousness is found. So today's going to be a long sermon. We're going to look through each and every one of those to make sure, just kidding. (laughs) We're going to look through a few of them, but let me show you the first one. Let's go back to Genesis. God was speaking to Abraham, who'd become Abraham, establishing his covenant with him. And with his wife, Sarai, and their children, their future children. It says this in Genesis chapter 15, verse 4. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven. Number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Abram chose to believe in God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. See, God was telling Abraham that his own son would be his heir. At this point, Abraham had no son, had no children with Sarai. But God said, if you can look at the stars, if you can number the stars in the sky, that will be your offspring. If you don't know, Abraham is the start of the nation, the people of Israel. Just that tiny little group of people from which King David came from, Moses came from, Jesus came from. The nation of Israel was born through Abraham. And when Abraham had nothing, God showed him he would have everything and he had to choose to believe. And when he believed his faith, it was counted to him as righteousness. Paul references this passage all the way from the beginning of time in Genesis. He references it in the New Testament. We're going to look at a few chapters in Romans as Paul talks about righteousness. He, in fact, repeats exactly from Genesis what is said. And then he says this in Romans chapter 4. Paul talks about Abraham and his righteousness. And then he says, Romans 4, 6, just as David... King David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. We're going to look at three parts of righteousness today. The first one is that righteousness must be embraced, not earned. Righteousness has to be embraced, not earned. Paul clarifies that the righteousness is separate from our good works. Our righteousness is not because of us. We should be grateful that our lawless deeds have been forgiven and our sins have been covered. The goodness of God is given to us. We have not earned it. There's a word used sometimes called imputed. It means the righteousness of God has been imputed. It has been placed on us, in us, by God. We can't brag about our accomplishments. We can't brag about how much we read the Bible, how often we volunteer, how often we attend. That is not what our righteousness comes from. Those are simply actions of a response, but it is not earning. Our righteousness. You with me? You cannot earn your righteousness. And you see, this wasn't just for Abraham or for David. Look at what it says next. Skip down to verse 20. He then says, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who is delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Did you did you catch that part? It says it was counted to him. Just like back in Genesis, back at the beginning, it was also written for all of us that if we choose to believe in God, if we believe that God raised Jesus from the grave, our sins, and he was raised up for our justification. Justification means raised up to be righteous in the sight of God. It's through Jesus that we are righteous in God's eyes, not in our own ability. Nothing we can do to earn righteousness. We have to embrace the fact that it comes only through Jesus. The Bible will actually tell you the number of people who are righteous not because of Jesus. The Bible tells you the number of people that are righteous on their own. You want me to show you the number? Here's the number. Romans 3.10. It says, As it is written, None. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. We all clear on how many are righteous on their own? Zero. Goose egg. Not a one. What does this mean? No person on their own seeks God. No person on their own does anything that would merit salvation. No one can do anything that gets them even close to earning their salvation. You can only instead embrace what Jesus did for you. It is embraced, not earned. We live in a society that's all about earning, aren't we? We live in a society where you make a living, you earn your way up the corporate ladder, you earn your degree. Those aren't bad things. Trust me, I want a doctor operating on me that earned his diploma, <laughs> right? I don't want somebody that's just like, oh yeah, I just filled off a few things. I just, it was just given to me. I just was sitting at home one day, working on the, in the tool shed, and it just was given to me. Now I can operate. Um, how about you go through a little bit of school? How about you earn some things? It is important to earn degrees, but we cannot earn salvation. We're living in a society where the word righteous actually has a bad connotation. Because the word righteous in our society is more connected to the word self than it is God. We hear a lot more about self-righteousness than we hear about the righteousness of God. We see descriptions on TVs and movies and characters of people who are self-righteous. People that are fake righteous, hiding their own issues, pointing out the issues in other people. And hiding their own issues to themselves. There's a lot of self-righteousness. There's a lot of fake righteousness. But the Bible says definitively there is none. There is no one who can claim righteousness based on their works. All have to claim it through the righteousness of God. It has to be embraced, not earned. And secondly, not only is it embraced. Number two, righteousness must be relayed, not retained. It has to be relayed. It has to be transferred over to you. Jesus transferred this righteousness, and there's nothing we can do to earn it, and there's nothing we can do to retain it. There's nothing we can do to keep it. Because it's not based on our goodness, it's not based on our striving. We looked at Romans chapter 3 and Romans 4. Let me show you what Romans 5 says. This is a powerful passage. Verse 6. It says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God chose his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Is anybody thankful today That Jesus Christ did not come to earth because you were righteous. He came to extend to you his righteousness. He didn't come to earth because you had done anything to deserve it. He came to earth because he wanted to show his great love for you. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for you and for me. You can't earn God's righteousness. I have equally good news. You also can't retain his righteousness. It's a free gift. Skip down to verse 17. He then says, For it is because of one man's trespass that death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. One man's sin. Adam, from the beginning of time, His sin caused death to reign, but also through one man's life, Jesus. The free gift of righteousness was given. And Jesus transfers his righteousness to us in the free gift of salvation. When we receive the gift of salvation, we are receiving the righteousness of God in us. It's a family benefit. Don't you love it when just because you're part of a family pack, a package deal, you get benefits that you didn't deserve? I remember as a teenager, did anybody have tell way back in the day? Nobody knows what this is anymore. There was a thing called My Circle. You could pick some certain people that you were closer to, and you could have free text messages to them, free phone calls. None of those minutes went against you. You don't understand all the minutes and all those things. There were limitations back then. Certain packages you had to pay. And I was actually jealous about 12 or 13 years old because my older brother had something way better. The coolest thing ever. He had this thing called a pager. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, what does a pager do, Matt? That sounds amazing. What it did was when somebody called his number the pager, it would show up. Oh, and then you would like be able to answer the phone. No, 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 no. You can't answer it. it. You just know that they called. And then you have to go find somebody else that has a cell phone to use that to call back the number. Also, I don't think there were caller ID on those things. You had to just memorize that number and know it was mom trying to get a hold of you and figure out where you were, right? But eventually we moved past that and with cell phones and you had benefits. Now today's, you, you can get... You can get ESPN Plus for free with your package. Certain things like, I'm jealous of John, he gets MLS season tickets so he can watch all the games just because he's part of T-Mobile, which has really terrible cell service. But because they have that, (laughs) I'm tempted to use it. Sorry, this is not a platform for cell phone services. You did nothing to earn this Apple TV, this Apple Music, whatever. It's a benefit of being part of the family plan. We did nothing to earn righteousness, but when we accept Jesus, believing him as Lord, accepting him over our life, and we receive the gift of salvation, automatically the gift of righteousness is transferred into you. You can't do anything to earn it. You can't do anything to retain it. And this should matter a lot to us because I think so often we say we know that, but then we get anxious And hopeless when we try to amount to something and say, I got to do more. I got to give more to God. I got to do all those things to earn his love or to stay in his good grace and his favor. You can't do anything to merit salvation. All those works that you do, they are great in expressing your love for God. But they're not meant to keep you retaining the salvation of God. The righteousness of God is in you. Parents in the room, you will always love your kids, right? Those perfect angels. Doesn't mean they do everything right. Doesn't mean there aren't issues to deal with. But it means nothing can take that away that they're your kid. And since they're your kid, they have some benefits of being part of that family. Righteousness as children of God, it has been given to us by the sacrifice of Jesus. So righteousness can't be earned, it can't be retained. I've got a third and final point, and this point, sorry, it doesn't have alliteration, doesn't have any of those things. It's actually a question. The question is the righteousness is in you. Will you choose to put it on you? The righteousness of God is in you. The, the free gift that Romans talks about, it's in you through Jesus. But then in Ephesians, Paul says to put on the righteousness. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. I know you have righteousness in you, but will you choose to put it on you to protect you from the attacks of the enemy? Just because the righteousness of God is in you, it doesn't mean you get to live however you want to live. Righteousness should bring transformation. Righteousness should bring life change. If you want to live in right standing, God will increase the armor surrounding and protecting your life through the choices that you make. Obedience to God will either put us further protected in our armor. Disobedience, decisions to walk away from God, will strip us of our armor and make us vulnerable to the attack. When we make decisions that are opposite of God's righteousness, we are choosing to take off that armor. And the enemy's going to attack you. Enemy's going to attack you whether you have armor on or not. <laughs> I want to be attacked with armor on, please. <laughs> not with it off. We are protected with the armor when we make righteous decisions. Ethical moral decisions in our workplace. Choosing to turn off the things on our phone, our TV, the things that put us at war in our mind. Temptations, struggles. It is choosing not to harbor ill will, anger, resentfulness, bitterness in our hearts towards our neighbor, our coworker, our friend, our family member. These are small decisions. They are steps towards encasing, encompassing us in the righteousness of God or taking off the righteousness of God. Righteousness is in you because of what Jesus did. Righteousness is on you based on how you're going to live your life as a result of what Jesus already did. We can't just say, I accepted Jesus so I have righteousness all around me and then go living on our life as if nothing's changed. Righteousness is transformation. The righteousness you put on, it's not for changing your circumstances, it's for changing you. I, you can say that about a lot of things. You could say prayer is not always about changing my circumstances, but prayer changes me. Worship is not always about changing what's happening on in the world, but it changes me because it puts my perspective. It helps me lift my eyes off of the things in this world and on the things of God. Righteousness changes me. Make good decisions on what you're feeding yourself. The things you watch, the things you listen to, the things you talk about. Sounds familiar to some of us. Because what we feed ourselves will result in righteousness or it will result in rottenness. Makes me think of the old saying, turn off that TV, you'll rot your brain. Sometimes it's true. Righteousness is for your spirit. But I want to make sure we know that doesn't mean we have no problems just because we have righteousness. That doesn't mean there aren't issues in your life just because you've made good decisions. We live in a fallen world. You can ask Job what has happened to him, even when he was trying to live righteously. I was reading a book on the book of Job, a commentary by Dr. Michael Brown. I think we have that quote up here. It says, suffering is often the consequence of righteousness, not the reward, the consequence you have to remember when Paul is writing this, when he's telling the people to put on the armor of God, where is he? Living his best life on an island? He's in jail. It is because of his armor of God. Because of the righteousness of God inside him. He's actually suffering and struggling. Can you imagine telling people live live the best life for God righteousness and saying all these things in the confines? a prison cell. Righteousness, it's for God's protection over your life, not man's approval over your life. But we have to not only receive the righteousness that's in us, we have to choose to put on the righteousness of God. In Paul's letter to Timothy, multiple times he references pursuing righteousness, training in righteousness, so that we can know how to put on righteousness. Alexa, could I have the keys as we close here? Let's look at 1 Timothy 6, 9. It says this, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, Why do we put on righteousness? So that we don't fall into the trap of greed and loving money. It says people will wander away from their faith because of the temptation of greed. But you have to stop chasing these things and instead pursue righteousness. Look at another one that Paul says to flee from 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2, 21, 22, enough twos there. It says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Paul says, cleanse yourself from the wrong things you've done. Set yourself apart, flee youthful passions. In other words, flee lust, flee sexual temptation and instead pursue righteousness. We're not only told what to run away from, greed and lust and other things, but instead run towards righteousness. I don't know if there's a reason why Paul says both times, he says, what is the first thing he says? Pursue righteousness. It's the first thing in the list. We think just because in salvation, we have righteousness in us, that does not mean that we've mastered it. We have to continue to train and grow in righteousness. How how do we train in righteousness? I'm really glad that you asked. In the next chapter, after Paul says to flee lust, pursue righteousness, he tells us how to train in righteousness. It is the best starting place. Stop me if you've heard this before. Don't stop me. But 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The man of God is equipped. His suit is on as he trains in righteousness. The Word of God is truth. It is inspired by God to teach us, to admonish us, to correct us, and to train us to be complete and equipped. We're equipped through the armor of God, through the reading of Word of God in righteousness. Would you stand to your feet as we close today? I have a personal question for you. As we're in July, about halfway through the year, can I ask you a question? How's your Bible reading doing? How's that daily plan been going? How's your devotional been going? If you're struggling with righteousness, if you're struggling to daily make right decisions, you keep saying, ah, I keep messing up. I keep doing what Paul says where I I don't do what I want to do, and I do what I don't want to do. You might need some training in righteousness through the word of God. Can't tell you how many times I'm talking to people say, oh, that's a really, that sounds really tough. That's a struggle. Well, what are you doing with that struggle? How, you know, how's your prayer life? Ah, it's, you know, it's okay. It's there. It's there. It's there. Okay. How's your Bible reading going? Oh, you know. It's, it's over there on the coffee table. I open up occasionally. We have to train in righteousness through the word of God. If we believe that all scripture is breathed by God, it's inspired by God, it is the living word of God. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. If we believe all these things and then we don't open it up, we're not training. We're not training and we're right now presently in a current battle. Do you see how those don't align? how's your Bible reading doing? Can we step it up in some training, some extra training in righteousness? I know sometimes that's difficult. I know sometimes we get into new numbers in Deuteronomy and we say, God, what, it, what is there in here for me? Maybe it takes a, a quick prayer to say, God, I'm, I'm struggling to get anything out of your word. Would you please speak to me through your word? But I also want to talk to those who are about works, trying to show off your righteousness and we do good things for God to glorify him, to worship him to love other people but if you're doing it in in an attempt to strive to earn acceptance earn the favor of God keep the favor of God my friend, you're doing it for the wrong reason it's only through the grace of God that we have this Don't boast in yourself saying, I've I've got the righteousness of God. I can do what I want. I can live how I want to. Would you also put on the righteousness of God through obedience daily to him? Would you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? If you'd say, man, I'm struggling in the daily, weekly walk with God. I, I, there are things that every day I frustrate myself because I think I'm going to do better. I think I've got it down, and I keep failing continually. I need help training in righteousness. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? I just want to keep you in mind as we pray today. Yep, I see that hand. Yep, I see that hand. Yep, yep, yep. Let's pray together, church. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you give us the training needed for righteousness, You desire to equip every single man, woman, and child in the full armor of God. I pray that you'd help us to train in righteousness. I pray that our first instinct through the Holy Spirit, when things come up to us that tempt us in immorality, in lust, and greed, our first initial response would be to flee. Your word says don't think about it, don't consider it, flee, leave it and instead pursue the righteousness of God. Help us as we are pursuing you. Help us as we're pursuing your righteousness. Give us a hunger. God, I pray right now for an unusual, abnormal hunger for the word of God to rise up right now inside of us. That as we read the words of of the Bible, that they would come alive to us, that they would feed our spirits, that we would feed on the things that build us up instead of what tears us down a blessing on this group. Protect them. Protect them in your righteousness. Help us to make decisions daily to put on, to strap on, to protect ourselves in your righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. The gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.